0: This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and
1: at seattlesports.com.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton.
1: Welcome, everybody. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710 and seattlesports.com. Hopefully, everybody's having a great day out there. It's a little, little chilly. Did you get any snow at your house, Dave?
2: No, uh, a little, little light dusting.
1: A little dusting, nothing to impact the roads or anything. Yeah. That's all we need yeah. is another excuse for people to drive poorly around here. <laughs> they do that when it's, say, 80 degrees and sunny outside. Uh, but, yeah, hopefully everybody's getting around just fine, enjoying the day, and uh, just stick around. We'll, we'll keep you entertained uh, throughout the afternoon. Coming up at 3 o'clock, we're going to get the director of hitting at Driveline, Tanner Stokey, is going to join us on the program to talk about Ty France. Ty France, uh, by all accounts, just looks like a completely different person physically. We saw what he did in his first game back with a, with a liner down the left field line for a double, saw some increased speed on tagging up from second to third on a sack fly, so we'll talk to him about all of that coming up at 3 o'clock. A uh, guy that you know very well, Dave, Easy Ed McCaffrey mm-hmm. will join us at 4 o'clock. We'll look forward to that conversation, talk to him about the NFL, his son Christian, everything else that's going on. So that'll happen at 4, and then it being Tuesday Five o'clock means El Hombre. Michael Bradley will join us on the program. So big stuff coming your way. Stay tuned for all of that. You guys can text in throughout the show at 866-979-3776, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. Uh, but speaking of Ty France, what do you what do you think's a fair expectation for him? Because I was I was looking at his numbers last night. I sent them to you. I'm a little surprised at sort of the lack of uh slack. Not to not to rhyme there, but he didn't he didn't have much slack from the fan base considering he's a he's not been here that long, but he's he's been pretty damn consistent since he's been here. And last year was off. There's no there's no two ways around. It was not a great year. Hit 250, 337 on base, 12 home runs, 58 runs. Not what you need out of that position. He was an all star the year before. And the year before that, he was he's had all star numbers. He had actually better numbers the year before in terms of averaging on base uh, in 2021. So he got traded here in 2020, uh, played in 23 games, hit 302 with a 362 on base, 453 slug. Then his first full season in 21, uh, hit 291, 368 on base, 18 home runs, 73 runs driven in. Then his all star year, 276, 340 on base, 20 home runs, 84 runs driven in. And then last year, not good. Not not trying to paint it as anything other than that. It was a, you know, I guess by today's standards, 250 is still a pretty decent average yeah. for a lot of guys. But yeah. but it just wasn't a Thai-Franch year. And all we heard was, get him out of here. Get that guy out of here. You got to get somebody else at first base. I'm thinking, okay, if you're going to get somebody who's who's leaps and bounds better, I'm all for improving. But let's not act like he's been an impediment to this team. He he was one of many who struggled last year. This offense as a whole struggle. We talked about, you know, uh, Julio having having stretches that were not good at all. I mean, it was it was not unique to Ty, but I was, I'm just in looking at his numbers and everything. It was a little surprising how little grace he seemed to have with a with a segment of this fan base.
2: <laughs> you know, what's interesting about it, Bob, is I was looking at it on uh, on Pro Baseball Reference, and when you look at it, you know, just in the lines, but something about you know you putting it on the page and reading it off the email, and you're like, wait a minute he was 250 12 home runs 58 RBIs i mean that's not awful i mean and so i think people are were they just got spoiled basically with with his numbers because you know you mentioned even the 23 games where he when he was traded here in 2020 302 batting average i mean i know it's a small sample size but still
1: well that was the the covid year so you know, they only played 60 games
2: yeah but, I mean, you know, the 23 games, it's not yeah. like you're going to go oh crazy over it or anything like that. But still, I mean, yeah, so uh, you look at 250 and it's not that. But I heard somebody the other day say something about, well, if Ty France has a Ty France year, then they're going to the playoffs. They would have, you know, made the playoffs. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. But, I mean, that's not – I don't think that's fair to put on him. Uh, it wasn't Ty France. But the, the difference was that this just isn't what he's about. And this yeah. is not the kind of player that he is. So uh, it's – look, uh, uh, having seen – first of all, I, I had a, a buddy of mine send me a uh, a video of him going second to third on the sack fl- yeah. fly that you talked about. Totally different. I mean, he looked like he was in slow motion or he was running in quicksand last year. This This year, I mean, I'm not saying he's a – a speed burner or anything like he's that. He's going to be a,
1: a stolen base threat now. Left every time he's on.
2: Yeah, I I don't think so. But I, he's markedly faster. Yeah,
1: yeah. He he looked. Uh, he was. Yeah, he labored to run. He just he was clearly the slowest player on this team. Yeah, and I don't think there was any real competition for that title.
2: Now we used to we used to call it beating up the ground. Yeah, that's kind of what he looked like. You know, when he when he was running, and now all of a sudden he's getting his knees up, and I mean it's it, it's totally different.
1: Yeah, his conditioning looks different, and if he can just be who he was in his all-star year and the year before that, that, that goes a long way. That goes a long way into lengthening this lineup and, and really taking some of the heat off other guys, and, and it just it trickles down. If he can become that threat who hits to all fields, you saw when he's when he's right, they're playing him straight up. He's not a pole guy. He's not an opposite field guy. He's up the middle. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. So you play him straight up. You don't know where he's going to go. He just hits. That was, you know, we just expected it. Oh, Ty, he's going to come up with a hit. Right. Yeah, he doesn't have the, he's not the traditional bopper at first base you want in that, you know, first and third, your corner spots, you want production and power coming out of there. He showed it. He looks like he's capable of more power than he's given, you know, 20 home runs. Okay. You'd like to, I'd like to see him around 28, 30 would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll see what he does this year, but he's, he's turned into a good defensive first baseman. Again, I'm not making the case. He's the greatest first baseman in baseball, but just sort of the the way people just turn their back on him, like get him out of here. You gotta you gotta fix that spot. Thinking, wow, that's that's there's not a lot of slack there for him for whatever reason. So he. Yeah, again, very early in spring. We'll see what he looks like in the regular season, but just physically looks different. And he talked about um, working at driveline and how it just helped clean up his swing.
0: The swing aspect, um, just cleaning a lot of things up. Spent, spent a good bit of time over at driveline. And, you know, they, they've got a lot of technology, a lot of smart guys over there to to help. And, um, you know, very excited to kind of put that into into the game. You know, there's it's crazy to see how, how bad my swing was, Mike on like a mechanical aspect um to get all that uh, that stuff cleaned up and you know it's still not not perfect There's still you know i have created a lot of a lot of years of bad habits so just trying to get get as clean as possible and uh, tighten all that up throughout the the full the full off season i think we made a lot of adjustments and a lot of improvements
2: uh, that's the part that kind of surprised me it's like yeah it's been going on for a long time a lot of bad bad things happening I'm like, bad habits yeah, yeah. dude you're, you're not it wasn't that bad I mean but I think away it, with it I think for for him it was something that was just gradually leading to you know and then when you get affirmation you know if you you're making a bad cut or whatever with this swing he's not being disciplined and then you you run into one it can you know kind of send you the the wrong signals right mm-hmm. and it sounds like that's that's kind of what what he's talking about because he hasn't had a bad swing for you know all of that time but I think it was a you know, very gradually, just got to a point where okay, this isn't the baseball player I want to be. And I love you know seeing these guys. We were looking at Dominic Canzone and how it looks like he's worked really hard in the off season. Mm-hmm. It's it's awesome to see these guys after you haven't seen them for four months, just to see what they've been up to and. Uh, if you look on, you know, I guess it's on Twitter. You were showing me the videos of him working at driveline, and it's not just about his swing. I mean, he's working his tail off, and, you know, and I think that's going to help him as far as injuries go and, and things like that. But um, the the other thing is I just remember being so impressed in 2021 when, you know, he just – I think he had played third base more than first, but he played both first and third in, mm-hmm. with the Padres. And uh, just how his his defense was just really good. I mean, he had some great picks and, you know, he's saved a, a couple of bad throws and he's just been good at tracking foul balls. I thought it kind of crept into his defense a little bit last year. But, uh, yeah, he he just became a very good, solid first baseman at a time when they're like, hey, who's who's going to be at first?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's... He's a guy that it's just his impact on this lineup can be huge. It can be huge. And I, I don't know if we're going to get to it. I asked it in the notes. I'd look at the rest of the show sheet. But just outside of Julio, you could pick one guy to take that, that big step forward. Who would it be? For me, it might be Ty or JP. Those, yeah. those might be the two guys that I would look at uh, because of how it sets the table for the rest of the lineup, the impact it can have. But we can get into that later. It's just it's good. It's good to see. Physically, he looks different. Mentally, he's talking about it. He talked about um, he changed his stance and how that helped his swing.
0: I think uh, cleaning up the posture, it just gives me more room for air. My, my barrel stays to the zone a little bit longer. And I mean, it showed today, it showed today I was out front of the changeup and um, was still able to stay on it long enough to keep it fair. So um, that was a good sign. I was very, very happy with that at bat. And then, um, you know, the classic tie frame, about that chapter, after. So.
2: Yeah so JP you mentioned him um, another guy who went down to to drive line I think the most impressive advance for him was his OPS right I mm-hmm. mean he he was all of a sudden hitting for power um
1: yeah he was squaring the ball up in a way he had not yeah. in his entire time here as a mariner
2: and speaking of our guy divish i just remember him that was what three years ago when he's like he hasn't hit a ball in anger yet or yeah, he, he hasn't hadn't
1: squared up a ball in spring training yeah like the whole time and he'd been there for a few weeks at that point so and he
2: and he was a guy that wasn't wasn't he known for his hitting and not for his defense and yeah, his the defense knock, was really good
1: yeah the knock on him coming out of philly was he's he's got the bat we're not sure he's got the glove yeah and and Perry Hill working his magic turned him into a very good defensive shortstop. He wins a gold glove and and uh that that is far from a liability. Again, is he the greatest shortstop in the league? No, but he's very good. Very good shortstop. And then see, seeing what he did offensively is is just huge. It really is. It just anytime you can get somebody at the top of your lineup that can set the table that way and just be on base and be there when Julio comes up, whether Julio's gonna hit second or third, uh, and just have it, have it just move the line. Just keep the line moving. Have runners. I know they've struggled with runners in scoring position, and hopefully that won't be the case this year. But just having those opportunities by getting on base at the rate that he did, that's that's fantastic. And hopefully he can take that next step. I don't I don't know what his ceiling is, but he, I don't think he's I don't think he's reached it yet. As good as he was last year, I don't think he's reached it.
2: Yeah, I'll be I'll, I'll be curious when we talk to uh, Tanner Stokey just to see how much JP was down there because it sounds like it's not one of those things you just go and get fixed and then get away from it right. You kind of have to go and keep keep on top of it. So be interesting to see that part of it. I, I remember the other thing about JP Crawford real quick was just that he the fact that he bought a house up here and that like mm-hmm. he was he became. More of a, a guy who was, you know, wanted to stay in Seattle, get it done here, all of his work, everything, not going somewhere else and bought a house. And, yeah, that was kind of a like a big step for him and kind of like a almost like a commitment. So, yeah, really, uh, really cool that um, that he, you know, went and had that conversation with uh, with Ty France. And I think it was service at the end of the year when he was asking about Ty France and driveline and the success JP had uh, had had and. He was like, yeah, I think they've already had that conversation. JP went to Thai France and, you know, was like, it sounds like they're re- really good friends and mm-hmm. was able to have that conversation to him like, hey, man, this really helped, helped me. So, yeah, I'll be very curious to hear from uh, Tanner Stokey about, you know, what are all of the little movements and things that uh, that you did that helped fix him?
1: Well, Scott Service was on with Brock and Salk this morning, and they were talking about Ty France. And, and here's Scott just talking about how different he looks to him after that offseason work.
3: I've seen a different focus from Ty France, and I think it goes to the work he put in in the offseason. Mm-hmm. When you spend that much time and energy going in to kind of retransform his body, he's made some adjustments with his swing. Um, he's in a different uh, mindset than he was maybe a year ago because it wasn't easy for him last year. He had a rough year. Yep. And we've seen other players come through here that have made some adjustments and they get back on track rather quickly. And I think that's where he's headed. So um, it, it's exciting to see, you know, players put in the amount of effort and work there. Now you want them to get the immediate results, but there's no guarantee. Right. <laughs> you have to ride it out. Yep. We saw what it did for J.P. Crawford in the yep. season. he ended up, But it didn't start great for J.P. last year. Last year at this time in spring training, I'm looking at J.P. and I'm like, oh, boy. I don't know how this is going to work. No. It doesn't look great. It's not clean. But he just went through so much. He understood his swing more, how his body was moving better and maybe moving a little bit differently. And then all of a sudden it clicked and wham, he, he just took off. And I'm and hopefully that's what we get from Ty.
1: Yeah, I love how Brock will just subtly cheer on the, inter, the interviewee with their answer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> You're saying the right thing, Scott. Keep going. You're doing well. You're doing well.
2: I think Bob. I think Brock does a fantastic uh, job. I have no criticisms whatsoever, because I don't want him listening too closely to me. When at spring training.
1: Uh, that won't stop him. He'll he'll have some things to say. He was already trying to throw you under the table with the whole dating a cheerleader thing. Remember that? Uh oh. Uh oh. We got our guy Dan Wyman who didn't follow those rules. Yeah, you know, and it's
2: not even throwing me under the under the table, as uh, Lefko says, but it's it's more like he just gets like. He gets like, he giggles. Like he think, He, he thinks it,
1: I, he can I, I can instigate here. I can instigate here. Here's my open window.
2: It's, it's, it's a little strange, <laughs> but here's uh, Scott service
1: talked about in his opinion, why Ty France is so important to what they're trying to do offensively.
3: So he's key. He's key to our offense. He can really hit. We've seen it. He can drive in runs when he's right. The ball is carrying out of the ballpark. He plays really good defense. He's a good dude on top of it. He fits really well with our team. So, a key part of our offense moving forward and what he can do this year
1: yeah who would you who would you and you guys can answer this on the text 866-979-3776 powered by mac and jacks brewing company if you could pick one player remove julio because julio is your star and you want him to take the next step and the his impact is the biggest if he's having a, a mvp season there's nobody on, in this lineup that can have a bigger impact on the rest of the lineup than julio in my opinion so remove him you pick one guy to take that next step to be, whoa, where did, you know, kind of have that JP moment that we saw last year? Like, wow, we've never seen him square the ball up. He's hitting for power. He's getting on base. He's somebody to have that kind of improvement from last year to this year. Who would you
2: pick? Well, I mean, does Ty France count? Is he yeah. part of it? No, it just remove Julio. Anybody yeah. else? Yeah, because, you know, the thing is about it is he did do it. I mean, like, he's had years where it's like, yeah, that's the number. If he does that, that's going to be you know, he's going to be back to who he was. So it was more about, and this is where, you know, I think you're talking about the criticism. It's it's ridiculous because it's not like he's just a crappy player. He just took a step back. But, yeah, I thought going into this season, you know, we were talking about, and I, I said I felt good about it because of the things that I heard from guys like Julio and what we uh, have, have learned that Ty France is doing down at Driveline. But I thought I thought Ty France was – the guy that maybe is the most important going into the season. And that's saying a lot considering you don't really know who is going to be in left field or third base and, you know, what's going to happen with Haniger and his health and things like that. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think Ty France, and I think what it was was you just, and I think people, again, they got spoiled by Ty France because I remember Shannon from the very beginning, Shannon Dreher, our insider, was talking about how, you know, she was the one that was like, all he does is hit. Ty France just hits, and and that's what we, you came to rely on. So, yeah, I'm t- to me, I, I think it's Ty France in spite of all those other question marks that you have out there. How about uh,
1: you? He'd be Mike. It'd be him or JP. Him yeah. or JP. Just I think JP setting the table as your leadoff hitter is a big deal. If he if he can duplicate and then take even a further step this year, I think is huge. But, yeah, uh, Ty France, because, because of the way they have to play him um, – I just I I think his impact on this line. Obviously, any of these guys, if they get red hot, if Mitch Haniger got red hot, or Garver or Blanco or any of them, can have an impact. But just for and we'll see where Ty's hitting. I'll be curious to see where Scott has him in the lineup to begin the year because this was like your three guy. This is this is your guy in the top at the top of your order amongst JP and Julio and Cal. Anybody else? He was up there at a rough year last year. We'll see what that what kind of trust he has coming out of spring training. Uh, text coming in two five three says I love this. This could bring some texture on texture crime, Dave. Oh boy. Uh, two five three says nobody cares about baseball. They're a bunch of way overpaid non-athletes playing a game nobody cares about. What's interesting is is, is this person clearly knows everybody and is speaking on behalf of them because the, oh. this person he or she is saying nobody cares, nobody cares about the game. It's a, it's a quick survey he took with everybody.
2: Uh, I bet you he wants us to talk more <laughs> soccer. <laughs> oh,
1: 253. Wait, not a baseball fan. All right. You don't have to love it. You don't have to love it. A lot of people texting in. Mitch would be their pick. Um, yeah. Some saying Cal, uh, Canzone. Yeah. I mean, it, it's listen, if any of these guys step up and have a huge year, incredibly helpful to the lineup, certainly. Mm-hmm. But somebody who's closer to the top of the lineup it would be my pick would be my pick. But you guys can text that in, 866-979-3776. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. You pick one player outside of Julio to
0: have a big year for this team who is that player let's take two well the Mariners are currently in progress against the Giants so you can listen to uh both us and the Mariners right now on our stream yeah, go to the app you can listen on that side stream I would recommend listening to both uh it is pretty late in the game I think it's going to the yeah it's in the seventh inning right now so all the starters are out but earlier Mitch Garver had a two-run homer and Dominique Canzone a three-run homer Dominique Dominique Canzone huh? Dominic. Okay. We call him Dominique
1: why would you say that to him?
0: Why would you do that? All right. You've never said anything wrong, Bob.
1: <laughs> Calm down. Take it easy. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, Canzone could be huge. He, he says so the guy who corrects people every day three you know, times an hour. Moments of sensitivity uh. are, are random. But it's... Um, Canzone... He looks bigger. We were looking at yeah, him with Brent huge. Stecker in there. Yeah. He, he physically... I don't know how much weight he's put on, but he looks... It looks like good weight. He doesn't look doughy or fat or anything he looks you know because he was, he was a pretty wiry dude when he came last year came yeah. over to the team last year and he just looks like alright he put in some work in the weight room in the off season and hopefully it's going to lead to some production
2: yeah and it's his lower half yeah so that's that's where you can see the huge the power source this, difference. the power source yeah I'm sure Brock is all over that um, how about the, the Garver home run nice little simple swing yeah. and just yeah, kind of that abbreviated follow through follow through yeah of really, really nice, nice. Like Bogey yeah. has. Beautiful.
0: Kraken had a big win last night over the Bruins. Bounced back after the loss on Saturday against the Wild. They have lost ground, though, in the playoff race. So even though they won last night, they're five points back at that final spot because Nashville keeps winning. They wanted a shootout last night, right? Yeah, it was, uh, it was impressive yeah. because they had a tough, kind of a controversial penalty go against them late and the Bruins scored to tie it. So then, pretty good shootout win. Your guy, Grooby did a nice job in the shootout. I was it's, watching that. Uh, it's been impressive. It's yeah. been surprising since he's come back from the injury. Yeah, yeah I, I was
2: thinking Decord had some some pretty good games, and it looked like he was maybe going to be the the guy, but uh, Grubauer came back. Um, Boston, is it still a huge deal beating uh, Boston? I mean, is that still the most? It seems like they're sort of one of the more hated teams in the nhl like notre dame or dallas or i don't know are are they
1: the the black hats are they the team everybody loves to hate in the nhl
0: yeah and because they've been good too so they sit atop the eastern conference so i mean it's it's a big win they've slumped a little bit but it's a pretty good win for the kraken
1: good for them good to see them winning that's kraken hockey that what he says at the end of the broadcast when they win that's kraken hockey baby yeah Yeah. Our guy, John Forslund, he's awesome. does he a great job. Phenomenal. Uh, Take two is brought to you by Swedish Cyberknife. Treat prostate cancer with Swedish Cyberknife. Swedish.org slash Cyberknife Prostate. Coming up, it might not be the most important roster decision of the offseason, but the Seahawks have questions to sort out at one key position. We'll talk about that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.
0: Wyman and Bob.
3: Powered through the Alaska
0: Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Seattle Sports Sports. App.
1: Text line is there for you. 866-979-3776. Powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company. We'll get back to that conversation about who you'd like to see step up in this lineup. Outside of Julio, of course. He's the the obvious choice. But the Seahawks... uh, Taking a look at some players out there at the combine. It's happening this week. We'll talk more about that as the week goes on. But saw this this cut. This is a, an interview your guy Aaron Levine did at Fox Thirteen. He he did an interview with Mike McDonald, and this apparently was recorded before the Geno. Uh, they
0: adjusted his contract, I think. Right. This is this is post. This was like one of the days after McDonald got hired. So it was still oh. early on. It just didn't air until like last weekend. Oh, I
1: thought this was post all right, your your twelve point whatever becomes
0: guaranteed. No, but so it 20. aired it was taped and the question was asked before that Friday when the salary became guaranteed.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So he's he's talking to him about Gino Smith and asked and, and Drew Locke for that for that matter, asked whether Gino and Drew are part of the team's future.
0: Yeah, that's a tough question, and it's one that I probably can't answer right now. But, yeah. um, you know, we're doing a lot of work on those guys, and I've had conversations just to get to know them and just to understand who they are as people and their background and, you know, you know, goals and what their family's like and where they're from. You know, I didn't know anything about them, you know, coming into this whole thing. So right now we're in the phase of figuring out who they are, and obviously, you know, one or two or both, you know, would fit into our plans moving forward. But, um, you know, right now we probably don't have that answer for you.
1: So then not, not a huge commitment there, Dave. Not a well, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Now Drew is a free agent, so you you're you're viewing him in a different lens obviously than Gino who's under contract even at the at the time this this interview took place. But then John Schneider who is out at the combine was speaking with reporters today and there was a quote out there. I think Bob Condota tweeted it out or somebody that he was asked about Gino being the starter moving forward and he said he's the starter until he's not. Which some people took to mean, all right, this is a guy who's not committed to Gino. Gino deserves better. I saw some people that were a little bunched up about that answer. Didn't feel like that was – Gino deserved better was sort of the the, the message.
2: That's shocking that people were, were on Gino's side because, you know, we tend to get a lot of, oh, he's just not that good. They need somebody <laughs> yeah. else. And so, yeah, I mean, I think for John, it's just like <laughs> – I think he said he – yeah, he's the starter until he's not. I mean, that's the case with every single player, right? right. I everybody mean,
1: everybody who's starting is the starter until they're not.
2: Yeah, and then and the other thing is, you know, whoever the quarterbacks that they get in. Let's say that they they draft a guy, maybe it's in the second or third round or something like, much like Russ Wilson. Um, and then you know, if you if you sign Drew Locke, you want those three guys to compete their tails off. And look, that's what happened Russell's rookie year. I mean. Blanking on the guy who came from Green Bay, Matt Flynn. Flynn, I mean, you know that guy actually, you know, looked looked like he was pretty good, but then six touchdowns
1: against the uh, Detroit Lions as a Green Bay Packer.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. The day, uh, the week, uh, or the year before. The, yeah. you know, it was like a it was like a garbage game. I think. Yeah, but still, but yeah, he threw six, six touchdowns,
1: six tutties, Dave, as oh, they call stop it. Stop it!
2: Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you say that,
1: Bob? But but nah, I, I felt dirty. I saying know it. that you're
2: irritating yourself yeah. as much as I'm, you're irritating me.
1: Much like Matt upsets himself, I'm I'm disgusted. Yeah, with now me.
2: you're you're. It's going to be what's bugging Bob. Yeah, I'm disgusted with me.
0: Oh. It's easier that way. You always have something, because if you're like me, you've always done something stupid in the 24 hours prior to that set
1: Yes. But you're right. They committed, uh, I can't remember, a, a fair amount of money to Matt Flynn. He yeah. wasn't some you know veteran minimum guy with incentives. They They committed a fair amount of dough to him, and then they draft Russell in the third round, and he yeah. wins the job.
2: I mean that's that's exactly what you want. You want to you know you want uh, Gino to have his contract. You made all the the moves that that were necessary. I don't know what Locke is going to you know I don't know if somebody out there thinks that maybe he's a a starter but once you get it in there and that was the thing that Pete would constantly preach was competition. Mm-hmm. Every single day we're going to compete compete compete. We're going to get the best player out there. So I mean that's that's not that's not anything out of the box or out of the ordinary for, for John to say that. And to me, that's, that's like a – it's one of those things like a, when people say, uh, yeah, well, that's just the way it is. And it is what it is. And it's like, yeah, you're the, you're the starter until until uh, somebody takes your, your position. That is the case with every single player. Would and you- I don't think he – I don't think that Gino necessarily garners any more – any different treatment than, than anybody else. Would, would
1: you have liked to have heard John be more effusive? Yeah, he's our guy. Of course. Like, dumb, almost like, why would you ask me that? Of course he's our guy.
2: I just think he gets asked a lot of questions. And, you know, sometimes everybody's going to try to detect what is your tone and, and how you're saying I don't think it, it means anything. I don't – no, I don't wish that that he did that because I think it actually brings, brings about the – the fact that, you know, look, Gino, I mean, he, is, he was middle of the pack. They're not paying him a ton of money, as I keep saying. And then, you know, you're looking for the next Russell Wilson in mm-hmm. in the draft. Or, you know, maybe a guy like Drew Locke who just all of a sudden catches fire, kind of like Gino did after, you know, the in 2021, um, you know, at, he, he had a yeah, or twenty-two. Sorry, uh, just a fantastic year, and you know that's that's kind of what you're looking for, and that's kind of what they're looking for. Drew Locke to to happen to. So, yeah, to me, I don't I don't think it means anything at all, and I don't think that the quarterback is a different position. But I, I think it's to me, it's kind of exciting because it's like, hey, you know, at. Nobody's given a job, and just because he's the quarterback, I don't think Gino. You know, you're gonna you're gonna go out there and compete just like everybody else. So um, you're not treating him any differently. And I'm sure also that John and Gino have an agreement or an understanding of each other, so that when Gino hears something like that, at least he shouldn't fly off the handle about it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm looking at Condota's uh, Twitter page here, and he's got some of the the quotes from John. Um, and he he said he was asked about the timing of the restructure of Geno's contract. Remember, we spoke to him last week about that. Mm-hmm. Schneider's quote was: "Other people made a bigger deal out of that than we did in the building." Uh, Schneider said, "It's never been a question of whether Smith is going to be the quarterback with the Seahawks in 2024." That's what you and I were saying the whole time leading up to that. Right? Like uh, it feels like this is kind of fate accompli. Like, there's what are they going to do? They, it's not you don't have Plan B sitting there anywhere. Yeah. There was nobody to, and he said uh, he was. His quote continues: "He was going to be here. It was just a matter of like when are we going to tell him what we're doing with this roster bonus." That it wasn't. Is he is he going to be our guy? Is he not going to be our guy? He said, "Everybody else made the big deal out of that. That was never an issue. We, he was always going to be the guy."
2: Yeah. Well, and also just to to remind everybody, you know, when Russ was. You know, in the middle of his glory, I mean, he when he was you know playing really good quarterback here for this team, and you know one of the top ten in in the league, they were out looking at Josh Allen, they were out looking at Patrick Mahomes. I mm-hmm. mean, they're always looking for the next guy, and that's the case with every position. But I don't think that just because you're a quarterback, it means that you get some special sort of mention. guarantee. Yeah, of
1: of we're not going to look to replace you or yeah improve upon you.
2: Right, you're not gonna you know treat them any different than, than any other position. You're always trying to get better. And that's just the way it is in the NFL. It's just hyper competitive. And um, yeah, so I, I don't, I don't read anything into that now. Is Gino going to read anything into it? I don't think so. Cause like I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure that Gino and John have had really, you know, long conversations. Gino's a pretty humble dude. I remember on the, um, a couple of the flights he was sitting in the back and some of the, the younger guys were sitting up front, and there was like all the rookies and younger guys sat in the back or backups, and you know sat up up in first class, and then you know was where Gino and all those guys, and there was no room up there, mm-hmm. and you know I Rabel even went back, and he's like. You want me to go kick somebody out so you can sit up front? <laughs> and Gino goes, "Man, don't worry about it. It's fine. I, I, I'm fine with that." Look
0: at
1: Rabel playing enforcer.
2: Yeah. Hey, Rook, <laughs> Rabel's gonna whoop somebody. <laughs> That's hilarious. I was gonna tell him, you better. It better be a kicker. <laughs> but um, better choose your guy wisely, Rabes. Yeah, I, I don't think Gino is uh, some kind of a prima donna that worries about every last little thing. And
1: well, he's got his, He signed his deal. I mean, he's still being paid what he agreed to. Now, next year, to me, is the bigger question because of how that that cap number. And Inflates to thirty eight point five million dollars. That, to me, becomes the real debate. This, to me, the entire time felt like a no brainer. Only because there 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 is no plan B. As we said, Drew Locks a free agent. You don't have another quarterback on the roster. You're picking sixteen, so you're not going to go after one of the top guys unless you're going to cobble together your draft picks and move up into the top ten and go after one of these guys. There's no obvious free agent out there where you going well. How do you not go with this guy? This guy is available. It's a, it's a market improvement over G- – so none of that exists right now. Right. So that's why the, that whole time, to me, it was like, why why is this – I mean, I get it's a deadline. You, you, you look at it, it'll become guaranteed after this date. Was there anybody that truly thought that wasn't going to happen? Yeah. It's, 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 all of this feels fairly obvious. Next year is, to me, where the true question comes in, but – I don't know. Having said that, watch they'll they'll pull off a trade and trade Geno at the combine or yeah, something. Right. You know, but to me, as we sit right now, I just I don't see where they turn to if Geno's not here. We're we're okay, he's gone. You trade him. I hope you get a quarterback in exchange because I don't know who your quarterback is unless you're planning. Well, we're gonna lock up Drew Locke and he'll be our guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that plan is. So
2: and really, you know, I think that was a fantastic final drive. Against uh, on Monday Night Football or Thursday Night Football for for Drew Locke, you know, against Philadelphia, but... Is that who he
1: is over 17 games? I mean, I don't know.
2: Not sure. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's not that guy, but, you know, it was... I mean, it was it was one play. I mean, there was lots of other—or one series. There was lots of other uh, plays that he had during the season where you look and go, eh, okay, yeah, I see why he's the backup. So, But I'm not saying Drew Locke can't be that guy either. But, I mean, look, John, John is trying to create the exact situation that Pete used to talk about all the time, and that's it. We're always going to compete at every single position no matter what.
1: All right, coming up, there's been a noticeable absence from the Combine this week, and it might affect the future of how teams evaluate the event. We'll get into that next. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on
0: 710.
1: Wyman and Bob.
0: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.
1: Coming up at 3 o'clock, Tanner Stokey. He's the director of hitting at Driveline. And uh, we've talked a lot about Driveline on the show in regards to what it did for J.P. Crawford. Uh, Ty France spent a what appears to be a considerable amount of time in the offseason there this past offseason. So we'll talk to him about that. be interesting just to talk about what they run these guys through. What the, you know, obviously, everybody's got a different goal in mind and what they're trying to achieve. but. Yeah, it's going to be good to talk to him. So that comes up at three o'clock. Meanwhile, combine is happening. We we talked about John Schneider out there speaking with the media. All these GMs are out there speaking with the media. Um, but what struck me is is we would, remember when John said uh, when he talked to us last week, he talked about Mike McDonald and the coaching staff. They weren't going to be there,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you're kind of we're kind of like, ooh, okay, is that is that a big deal? Is that bad? And then he started hearing about other coaches not being there. And then I saw that story last night that Kyle Shanahan is not going to be there because he's got other things. They're working with uh, their new defensive coordinator. Uh, that's so you've got McDonald, you've got Shanahan, Sean McVay's not going, Mike McCarthy's not going, Matt Lafleur is not going. It's not unique apparently, and I don't. Those are just the ones I know of. I, I don't know if there's a if maybe there's some other head coaches that aren't going to be there. Is it is this? Are they just finding different ways to evaluate talent so it's not as pressing that the head coach is there? Or How, how do you view that, the fact that you've got some pretty high-profile guys who are saying, no, nah, we'll, we'll be fine, I don't need to be there?
2: Well, my guess would be, number one, I think, for Mike McDonald and, and coaching staffs like that, it's much more important for them to sit there and install their their uh, offenses and defenses and and go through those kinds of things rather than you know be there at the combine because look the the guys that i mean those guys are going to look at plenty of film that the scouts put together on on whatever position group it is they'll have plenty of time for that so i think it's a, it's a combination of your time's better spent working on your your offense your defense your your planning all that stuff especially if it's a new administration or a new new coaching staff but also you know a lot of it i think is the technology of the the zoom meeting and you know mm-hmm. you can you can pretty much see i mean the the scouts are there you know that's this is kind of their big uh, Catalina Wine Mixer, as John likes to call it, uh, the big event. <laughs> he loves that. Yeah, so you know that. I think those guys are. If the scouts didn't go there, that I would think that was weird. But the coaches, eh, I mean, look. Y- yes, uh, Pete. You know, we would see him there. They're up there in their little suite, and you see that all the time. Whenever you're watching the combine, they have in those different suites that there's different coaching staff sitting everywhere, and so it's customary. But I, I think for those guys, it's mostly kind of fun, you know, like they're going there to just... You it's know, kind of a reunion. Yeah, and meet other people and see other guys that you know that you know, because football's very incestuous that way that, you know, you, you know somebody who coached somewhere, played somewhere, yeah. that you, you know, know a guy that played under this guy, whatever. So I think it's, it's more been for fun, but I don't think I don't think it's, and apparently it's the case, I don't think it's that necessary that the coaches be there. Especially when you have a job like, um, you know, Mike McDonald has. I I think it's much more important that he stays here and has face to face meetings with his coaches, let the scouts and John Schneider handle all that part of it. And look, you don't really find out that much about. You know, you, when you watch the quarterbacks throw and you watch the receivers catch and things like that, they're doing it in their underwear, and I want to see them do it in their pads.
1: Aren't they kind of confirming what you already see on film? Essentially, like I think on film, this guy looks like he's got a great arm. So I'm just looking for confirmation there because yeah. you're talking about the perfect thing. It's not. It's not a game situation. There is no pass rush. They're not. You're just. You're just watching them show off. This. How many times I can bench press? This is how fast I am when I'm not running with gear and nobody's chasing me. It's it feels like the importance of what they're seeing there is is taken a step back while the event is growing for fans in right. tv it's it's a revenue generating event now it, it brings in ratings it's it's growing so the events become bigger but seemingly less important in their evaluation process.
2: Right. And I think everybody's on to that. I mean, you know, we we talked about Mike Mamula, and we'll yeah. get into that as the week goes on. But he was a workout warrior that, you know, really took a huge jump. I've told the story my year about the linebacker that ran a really fast 40, and he got drafted uh, higher. I mean, nobody's falling for that anymore. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's – and look <laughs> – I. I always my mind always goes to the extreme like well maybe because those coaches are all in suites mm-hmm. maybe at some point they sell out that entire building including the suites and they could generate revenue from that yeah. and so the coaches you know they're all just kind of hanging out there like hey we're we're in box 234 we're just going to hang out in here all day long i mean i feel like that might actually <laughs> people might buy you know those suites oh, to yeah actually come and watch the
1: event I, I don't think there's any doubt about that now what about this before before we move on. Uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. is considered one of, the, one of the top picks in the draft, top five pick in, the, in most of the mocks I've seen. Uh, le- certainly top ten. He's skipping the combine entirely. So he's not just skipping drills and I'm not going to run the 40 and all that, which we see a lot of the top, projected top picks do that. He's not even doing the medicals. He's not doing the, the measurement. He's just not there. You think that's going to be a wave of the future for anybody who's considered a top five, top ten pick or that seems an interesting tactic. Now I'm certainly he'll work out at some point, have his pro day, and everybody'll gather there and I assume they'll they'll answer
2: all those questions then. But that that's kinda unique. Yeah, that's that's different. I mean, if you're a top five pick, I can understand like you can't really help yourself. You you might only hurt yourself and maybe that's what his agent is telling him. Um but To me, here's one of the things I think because, you know, you have these, um, you have these pro days where you work out. I mean, that's at your place. By the way, he doesn't have an agent. Oh, is that right? Yeah.
1: Albert Breer wrote this story about him saying, uh, uh, hasn't hired an agent. He also didn't engage in the pre combine training that most other players do ahead of Indianapolis. All signs show Harrison plans to continue working out in Columbus with Buckeye Strength and Conditioning tycoon Mickey Mariotti, amongst mm-hmm. others. But yeah, apparently he doesn't have an agent either.
2: Yeah. So I mean, uh, that's t- to me. I just think it's. I think you should. You should participate in everything. You know, we talked about B. John Robinson last year, the Texas running back. He went to the combine, put up good numbers, and then like the next week was his pro day. He went through all of the pro day stuff. I just think you should show the NFL I am all in. I love this game. I'm going to do whatever the coaches ask me to do. And But, you know, if you're a top five pick, I guess I can understand. It is a little odd, though, that he's not doing the other things. Yeah. You know, showing up for like the physical Yeah,
1: see how tall you are, how much you weigh, all that. Yeah. That seems to be the basics that even even the guys that are considered to be the number one overall pick go through. But yeah, it's changing a bit. Yeah. All right. Coming up, uh, he worked with Ty France at drive line this offseason. Then director of hitting Tanner Stokey is gonna join us, talk about all of that. Coming up next with Wyman and Bob, this is Seattle Sports on seven ten.